Welcome back to the Turner Podcast. Um, with me, as always, is Kevin. Hey, everybody. And I'm your host, Ethan. Uh, today, we have a special guest. We have Alex, uh, which happens to be Kevin's brother. So uh, we, won't, we won't hold that against him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. So um, pretty soon we'll have the whole clan of the Hex on. Well, you know, you got the, uh, we're going to have three quarters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not so, really. It's half. Half, sorry. Yeah. Math is obviously not a, a very strong subject. At <laughs> but uh, we'll go from there. So, yeah. all right. So, uh, Alex, let's uh, kind of get things going. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself, maybe talk a little bit about how you got into milling. Uh, well, I guess we'll talk about this episode is going to be about milling, um, milling flour, um, which is we wanted to bring somebody that uh, had experience with the end, you know, uh, the end product of the wheat that we're growing uh, and how some of that process is happening and what what the consumer is consuming. So um, anyway, Alex, why don't you kind of give us a brief history about yourself, bio, and maybe kind of how you got into this. And, We'll go in it from there. Okay. Um, so my path, um, in, in my mind, there's two paths into milling. <laughs> People either uh, fall into it or they, they, they grow into it through their families. Um, so as I went to Kansas State University, uh, I was looking for my path. I thought I was going to be in the engineering world. Um, and I soon found out that wasn't going to be something that suited me. Um, my brother was actually in agriculture and in college at the same time. He introduced me to, uh, to one of his, uh, club mates. He was in the agronomy club and, and, uh, she actually introduced me to the program and I sat down and talked to a couple of professors and, um, basically left in the middle of a semester or towards the end of a semester. Uh, to transfer from the College of Engineering to the College of Ag, where I jumped we, into milling. Why don't, <laughs> so. we just, why don't we just tell everybody what course was the defining <laughs> was the defining source? Like engineering is not for me. Yeah, um, that would be uh, engineering physics. Um, so there's normal physics, and then there's engineering physics, and uh, I, I soon found that uh, sometimes when you sit down and take a test in college, they, they give you a seven page document and there's only one sentence on each, each one of those pages <laughs> and they want, and they want a pretty lengthy answer. I didn't have it for them in most cases. So, um, oh, man. I can't I imagine actually taking a real physics class. So I have a, I have an agronomy degree from Texas State <laughs> university, which is, is a premium tier one university. Well, Whoa, whoa, what? Whoa. Yeah. You're outnumbered there. You're outnumbered. <laughs> Thank God they had the smarts to allow us to substitute physics with a engines class. So, well, we uh, we built engines and learned how to do something with a clutch that didn't, you know, if it doesn't have roots or leaves, we're pretty useless. So, you know, it, it was a nice little insight, but I can't imagine an engineering physics, physics class. Well, it's it's all about calculating like resistance through like conductors and stuff. Like it's pretty. Yeah. Cause there's one and two and one, one is basically forces. Um, and, and then once you get into two, you're talking about all the electricities and all that stuff. And it, it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite. I don't have a whole lot of good things to say about that. So, well, <laughs> and, and it is pretty common. Um, not the, 
that there's a lot of engineering dropouts, but it is an, an easy switch going into mill milling. Um, Cause there, there are a lot of folks that maybe they can't, they realize that the, that isn't their calling. And so uh, the milling is pretty close to like Alex's job is almost, is pretty much engineering without a, a grand, grand title, but continue on. I derailed you. Sorry. No, no. Uh, I mean, full disclosure. I mean, my, my current boss has the exact same story as I, I mean, he, he started off in the engineering mechanical engineering field and for whatever reason decided this world isn't for me. And he had some ties to the agricultural world as well, um, much like I do. Um, so yeah, so that, I mean, when I went as far as even taking a test to see like, it's almost like one of those military tests where you try to, it's a placement and the first, you know, and one of the things that actually came up was milling. So I, I was very aware of the opportunities in milling after talking to Kevin's friend. And I was also um, able to uh, have the knowledge that there was a hundred percent placement basically in that field. And at this time, this was kind of during the rece recession um, and job stability and guaranteed jobs were a big, big thing. And the milling world has always been very, very stable. Um, so um, that was one of the larger pulls for me. Um, I'll be honest, once I met some people from the department, fell in love with it, fell in love with the people, shocked the, the whole engineering world, put that whole thing behind me and um, really haven't looked back at all. Um, as I graduated uh, K-State, I did take more of an engineering type role. Um, right out of school, uh, doing some some work with the engineering company that was specifically had departments that were specific to flour milling and other type of milling. Um, they actually design flour mills and the equipment that go in them. Um, and I ran around doing startup work for them, so more of that engineering tie. Um, but after after that, I decided that traveling wasn't going to be a life that I wanted. Um, and I had seen some exposure to some different milling companies out there. And, and uh, to be honest, I, I really liked what I saw out of the company that I'm with now, Miller Milling. Um, so, so, yeah, after about two and a half years of travel, I jumped into the facility that I'm in now and, uh, and just kind of worked my way up from there. Well, and when you talk about construction, you know, you, you have like, deadlines and hiccups and everything that happens and <laughs> be on the phone. One particular case, Alex is in California, supposed to be there for two weeks <laughs> and it lasted for over like almost three two, yeah, three months. <laughs> three months. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you, how do you, how do you plan a social life around living in a hotel for three months when you anticipated two months, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That side of it. I mean, for me, it was kind of a, you know, I, it was, it was okay. My younger years, uh, and when I just out of school, kind of a little bit more hungry for that kind of a world, but, uh, it, uh, it, it lost its luster pretty quickly. So. <laughs> I, I could see living out of a suitcase getting old pretty quick. Yeah. So yeah. I know the, the few times that we have to do that just for meetings and stuff, you know, it's never more than a week, but it's still, I can't imagine doing that repeatedly on purpose, you know, <laughs> you know, but well, so, the difference would be too, 
it's not like it like when we go to meetings it's like let's say eight to five right but you get oh, on, yeah. that, on that deal and i would imagine he's working <laughs> you know six seven and then if things go right maybe five and if they don't go right midnight <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. i mean it's not like yeah it'd be it'd be nuts it would be nuts yeah so alex what are some of the you know we'll get kind of back in the to what you do currently uh what are i guess some of the end products let's go through your daily routine and we kind of have some other questions why don't, we, why don't we start out with let's start out with how a meal works alex. okay okay um so to simplify things a little, and if I start to get too like technical too into the weeds, just ask questions or stop me, <laughs> please. Um, but basically, my job starts where your guys' ends. Um, so we are. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No problem. <laughs> I know that was that was the the best song in the world, "The Fight Texas War Him," but it's not not the time. <laughs> oh, proceed, Alex. Sorry. So um, I was saying. My job basically starts where your guys is in. So um, I, I really start my job um, at the intake process. So wheat specifically because our facility is only processing wheat into flour. Um, and we are basically seeing that, that wheat come in off the field and it's getting graded and it's getting sorted. And it's basically going to... Um, Sorry, I got a dog running around. <laughs> it's going upstairs now. Um, but basically, uh, when it gets when it, it gets graded, it gets it goes on the commodities market, right? So our company, a big portion of our company, is actually jumping into those markets and purchasing wheat, um, not just to make money, um, but to actually consume. Um, so we actually are connected at the hip at a uh, to a very large. Uh, elevator that can actually house something like 18 million bushel. So they're, they're shoving, they're taking in a lot of different grains, but a lot of it's wheat. Um, so right where you guys stop at harvest, that's when I really pick up. Um, so um, the elevator houses more than just wheat, but you only process wheat. You're only making wheat flour. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Now when, Correct. when you, when you guys make the decision to purchase wheat um do you have specific areas that you purchase knowing kind of where your end product needs to be or do you just have like clients that you continually purchase through does that make sense yes um so i will say that money money talks in that for sure in that regard um sure. uh, and i think every milling company as well as any commodity trader has their thumb on um what what's going on in the, the current harvest and the upcoming harvest that's the, it's brought up on, I mean, I have a weekly call where that's, that's what's talked about, you know, a big part of it. Um, so you're tracking specifically what's going on around you, but also you're keeping an eye on what's going on in the rest of the world. So our mill is pretty diverse in that we're doing hardwood winter and hardwood spring and software winter. Now okay. two of those, now two of those are, are grown in Texas. And you know the the shorter distance that wheat has to travel, better the price is going to be for us, right? For sure. But hard red spring, that's coming up from from the north. Yeah. Or coming down, 
rather. Yeah. Um, hey, so that is our hard red spring is a drop in the bucket. We grow hard red spring in Uvalde, but you would not consider this a wheat powerhouse in an area. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Yeah. And, and to be honest, um, the way it's always been described to me is that, uh, the wheat flows towards the Gulf. So the okay. flow is from North to South. Okay. Um, and so a lot of times you don't go the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So we are typically getting, we like when we are looking at our spring crops, we're always looking into the Dakotas. Um, our headquarters is actually out in Minneapolis. Um, so they're, they're pretty close to that. We used to have a facility up near that area that, ground predominantly spring wheat too so that helped that you know you kind of that, that makes a lot of sense because most of our spring wheat or well, all of our wheat um it's going to it's going to the port you know we don't have any you know like our corn is food grade corn and we know where the mills are going to make a corn mill but from a wheat standpoint i've always wondered why we don't process anything locally um and it goes to a port and leaves and you know, a lot of our stuff will go to Mexico, um, or I guess further south. I don't know, but that's interesting that you, how you, that's it, that concept of it, how it flows to the Gulf, you know, now that you say that you, I can see it from my level, you know, in my little mm -hmm. area. So. Well, and you think about it too, um, that most of your mills are in your big, larger cities or industrial cities too. You know, it's not like we don't have a mill out in Southwest Kansas in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? There's transportation and everything else you gotta, you, you gotta think about. Yeah. Different, different theory, right? You, you have all the wheat in the world, but not the consumer. So you'd sure. be shipping the end product sure. further, which is worse than trying to figure out where to send the, the raw commodity. Um, now some, some places uh, do very well. Like there's, there's uh, some, very large um, state-owned milling facilities up in the Dakotas, and they exist because spring wheat is so predominant up there. But they have a rail system that's going to go wherever they want, you know. So um, yeah. there's all different ways to get flour to people, but the cheapest is going to be to be close to the population. So Alex, let's let's uh, get back into you know we you've got the supply, you've mm -hmm. got it stored. Now what mm -hmm. happens from there? So we're going to take a really hard look at the, uh, the protein level of, of the wheat that we have um, and how long that will last us. Um, and then we're going to basically take that wheat and the very first thing we're going to try to do is go, go through a, a, an extensive cleaning process. Um, so this is, this is just a separation um, basically what you refer to as dockage, um, we are, it's our job to remove all of that because yeah. that's not good quality millable product, right? So you're so it would be similar to cleaning seed wheat maybe because you're, you're, you're bringing it down to just exactly the kernel and all the little pieces you want out. Exactly. Want exactly. Out. Exactly. So, so in school, that's one of the big things that you're, you're just going over the theory of every machine that you're, that you're running product through. So mm -hmm. you're going to make a separation based on size. So you're going to have a, a reciprocating screen basically that's going to take uh, it's, you know, you have, you have product that's going to go over that screen and you have product that's going to go through that screen. And in the first case, anything that's larger than wheat is going to go over the top of that screen and you're going to 
keep whatever went through because you're assuming that's pretty close to the size of wheat. It's going to go over another screen that is going to basically remove anything that's smaller than wheat. So it's going to have a little bit smaller hole in that screen. So that's going to remove like your sand and, and these things have very specific shapes. There's a lot of engineering that went into this <laughs> uh, that, I'm, that I'm going to simplify. Um, but basically, yeah, you're going to remove everything that's larger than wheat and then you're going to remove everything that's smaller than wheat. So what you're left with is a, a general uh, uniform sized product. Um, but then, you, then on to the next machine. Uh, so then you're going to start making separations based on density. So um, you can remove rocks that way. So a lot of rocks that you are intaking in your harvest make their way, make their way to us. And there's no great way to remove rocks other than with density. So there's specific separators that will remove those stones. Um, throughout this whole process, you also have a, a lot of metal uh, magnet plates that's removing any kind of metal for you. So you, you get that, uh, you get, yeah, yes. You're getting the rakes out of there and you're getting the, the broken shovel and all that good stuff. I mean, oh. you're, doing, you're doing everything you can. And, and honestly, machines break down. And, and sometimes when they break down, they, they, they send stuff through. Uh, so have you uh, ever, have you ever, you're actually removing your, it's a safety for yourself as well. Have you ever found a bolt in one of your magnet deals? Like a whole bolt? I mean, has it made it that far before? And, uh, in the cleaning pro to the cleaning process. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. Um, you, you would, <laughs> You'd be, I mean, you'd be shocked <laughs> well, when you pull off the very top scalp of something. I mean, so as as technology has advanced, I realize one of the things that you have to do is, um, as I kind of oversimplified it, they, they have a, what they call a drum sieve, which think of a six inch by four inch square screen that's that's tumbling like a dryer. And wheat is passing through that. And think about what has to get kicked out to be that size. <laughs> yeah. So wow. yeah, there's there. I mean, there's stuff larger than bolts. There's there's you know. I mean, anything you can think of that. What, that what is have, the most interesting thing that's <laughs> <been> cleaned out? <laughs> oh man. Um, that I, I don't I don't know that I have a great funny answer for you on that one. Um, what about the largest? More the same. The largest thing. Uh, I'll be honest, a lot of times what you end up with is um, dealing with ground piled wheat and, and um, you get a lot of rodents and, and um, Ooh. Uh, yeah. Um, so there's, there, there's, it's not necessarily the rodents that I'm referring to, but like say a nest of yeah. like, uh, you know, it's just kind of like a pack rat and you just get a bundle of twigs and stuff. And yeah. Um, you do every, why you I mean, clean the wheat. So any any listeners out there that are worried about piles of wheat on the side of an elevator, Alex is fixing your problem. So don't panic. Wheat's hey, clean. This is what we're know, doing here. What's yeah. so interesting is, in my mind, right, like when it leaves the yard or the field out of a truck, it is pretty clean, generally speaking. You know, yeah, I mean, a lot of the rocks and stuff don't exist. And so – when you say you're finding bolts and nests, and I'm thinking, oh, I forgot about the whole co-op system where it may be on the ground or it has to go through augers and maybe a, a, something happens, like you're saying, a breakdown, and then that ends up in, in your product, which is 
it's kind of an oxymoron that it has to be cleaned twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but then you, then you have jerks that throw rocks and stuff trying to get some extra weight in there. You know? Yeah. Well, and and don't don't forget Joe Farmer that's going to put the wheat in his homemade silo and hold on to it while the price of wheat maybe goes up and sure. then turns it in. I mean, there's sure. a lot of that too. I mean, so. Mm. Um, so once the wheat is cleaned, mm-hmm. what what is the next process? I, I suppose. So um, after the wheat is cleaned, I mean the the cleaning goes gets as advanced as advanced as optical cameras that are taking pictures, removing fusarium and black tip and anything that has a color defect with digital cameras. I mean you can get as advanced as you want. So this cleaning process is pretty extensive. The next step is actually to temper the water. That's a, that's a, a term used in different, several different industries. Um, in our case, it's to add a certain percent of water to the wheat so that you basically soften the endosperm, which is the, the inside of the kernel that's going to make your flour, and it makes the outer kernel pliable because our job at the end of the day is to remove the outer layer of, of the kernel and produce as much flour as we can out of each and every kernel. So you want it so, to swell a little bit is what you're saying. You want it to not, not necessarily to swell. That's, that's something that happens and that's something that we deal with. Um, but actually, ideally you let that swelling process come back down. So you're actually oh. just increasing the, the, the mm-hmm. central moisture in, of each kernel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that kernel swells as basically water collects on the outer portion of the kernel and travels through the basically where the germ of the seed is mm-hmm. and will basically penetrate and get into that endosperm. And then you basically, there's a, there's a resting time anywhere from two to 12 hours basically. Um, and then, uh, so you, you're letting it rest after it's been tempered. Um, and then onto the mill. So cool. So, so once you, you, once you make it, it swell, then it's time to, how do you remove the outer coating? So once the uh, tempering process is quote unquote completed, um, you're basically going to take um, very large steel rolls (laughs) that are um, basically grooved without, they almost look like they have a, an angled uniform tooth across them, um, but it's, it's spiraled all the way around the roll, and you have two of those going together. Um, and it's actually making a cutting action. So you have what you call the break portion of the mill. So these steel rolls are running together, you feed wheat to them, and it's basically gonna crack that kernel, <clears throat> basically crack it open. So one, you're, you're opening up the kernel to go on to the next passage. So um, the, the milling process without diagrams, without pictures is pretty hard to um, get into without uh, confusing a lot of people. I can, I can see your guys' faces. Well, I yeah. understand it, obviously. You know, <laughs> like I, I was around folks in college, quite a few folks in college that did the degree and then plus, or did the degree, that studied milling but also being around him my brother that <laughs> he kind of i ask all these questions or you know what i mean it, it comes up it's like hey 
But essentially what he's saying, it's no different than a, a feed mill in a, you know, like a, it a, generally speaking at a feedlot, you know, where they're, they're making cornflakes. It's just Alex is setting the machine differently to get a different result, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Banks have evolved from the grist mill that was powered by the mule going in circles. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because our technology, I mean, past the, the stone wheel, the technology, and I've seen flows that really are very similar to what we're doing. I mean, it's the technology has gotten more advanced, but the system, I mean, this is pretty similar. It's well, pretty at, similar. Yeah, at the end of the day, the result is the is, same. It's the yeah. same. It, it's a better quality, but right. I mean, the end product is the same, but, um, yeah. So getting back to, to basically what happens after you break that kernel open with these corrugated steel rolls, basically it's, it's going to go to a sifter that's going to make about, you know, four to eight separations based on size. Um, using anywhere from stainless steel or nylon cloth inside of a, a shaking box, basically. Um, it's going to make those separations. And basically, if you can imagine sending product in four different directions to four different new roll stands, which is what we're referring to these rolls, um, these, these machines are referred to as roll stands. So we are then going to break down that product even further. Uh, the next step in your basically is to gouge out all the endosperm and scrape it away from the, the outer layer. So that's why you wanted that, that brand to be pliable because if it's not pliable, it shatters and that's going to basically darken your flower. So it, it repeats that process of just getting closer, gouging closer and closer uh, to the, the brand layer uh, to get as much of the endosperm away from the brand as you possibly can. And that's just, basically what we refer to as the break system, just getting, getting it away from the brand. Everything past that is basically purification and, uh, and gradual reduction of the endosperm, which is basically reducing in, uh, the inside of that kernel, the small, small particulates further and further down to say 132 microns in size, something that flowers. Oh my God. Is, yeah. I mean, it's very, very small. <laughs> And if you look, if you look, if you look at the, 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 if you looked at one of these screens, you would, you can see through it barely and it's just transparent, but it's completely covered um, with, with nylon strands basically, but it's got to pass through that to be considered a flower. So um, we're using instead of corrugated or tooth rolls to reduce product, uh, reduce particle size, we're using smooth ones where you're just using compression and shear as opposed to cutting like we were before. So you're just reducing and sifting, reducing and sifting, and uh, and, uh, and incorporating some air into some of the sifting as well to give you some of that purified product. So it's a, it's a very detail-oriented process, and it takes a lot of eyes and a lot of equipment doing very similar things, but all of them basically have to watch pretty, uh, pretty closely to make sure everything's running. It's worse than setting a combine. Because essentially you have the same product always coming back, right? And then getting exactly. thrown back through the system. And if it's not right, it goes back until it can't go back anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and at the end of the day, so think of ours as a closed system and, your, and yours is a in and out system mm -hmm. in a combine. Um, so in the milling world, 
you have a kernel and you have a theoretical percentage of endosperm that's going to, that can turn into flour. And that's around 75, oh, I call it 80%. So 80% of that kernel theoretically can become flour. So your goal is at the end of the day to get as close to that 80% as you can. Otherwise you're throwing the byproduct is basically going to feedlots or um, some sort of animal feed because that's our, where our byproducts go. Um, I call them byproducts actually secondary products technically. If you want to get, <laughs> well, but you, you, yeah, you're talking about the, the coal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the stuff you don't want or you can't use, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, that your, your, your goal at the end of the day is um, you're, you're watching this, this efficiency parameter and it's, it's your yield and you're trying to achieve the highest yield you can while maintaining customer specifications. So, and that, that's what you do day in, day out. That's pretty, pretty intense, isn't it, Ethan? That, that's <laughs> impressive. I, I knew, I, you know, this sounds very crude, but for there to be a specific degree to be four years to learn how to mill flour, just this, that's just think about that from someone who is in an area where there's, it doesn't seem like milling's not something that's really at A&M um, that I never heard of it there, but for there to be that specific of a science, it's that detailed. I mean, for sure. And Alex know. speaking to Ethan's comment, how many milling schools or colleges are in the U S so currently uh, there is only one four year degree that you can get in the, in North America to my knowledge. Um, and that's at Kansas State University. Now there have been there's been one or two technical schools that have tried to pick up and train people that have already experienced some of the milling world or are looking for a it's basically that technical school calling. Um, it's actually in southeast Kansas. Um, but other than that, the only um, milling schools that I'm aware of is there's one in Switzerland and I believe there's one in Germany, but the biggest one is in Switzerland where they get kind of a, it's like a nine month course. And it's very, the, the education there is, is, is a very high education. And it's very dedicated because that's all you're doing. You're not learning, you're not learning physics there. You're learning, you're For learning sure. nine months of milling and you're in For the sure. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of stumble across unless you're, you find yourself at K-State looking or on the website, <laughs> looking at K-State for, for, for your future. So what so. you're saying is, is the office is full of purple shirts all the time. Not, it's, a, it's a great place to be. Really. <laughs> you know, I was always jealous because if you think about this, like at K-State, you got one of the only milling programs in the whole U.S., right? And then you've got a few others. So when it comes to internships and stuff, they found you in milling. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> they would come to the department like, I want you versus <laughs> where, where me and Ethan were like, can I please, can I please have an internship? <laughs> you yeah. know? If Alex was having to bed for, beg for an internship, it was something bad. For yeah. sure. <laughs> and he didn't change his life path, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's and it, it, you're right. I mean, it is backwards from every other education system that I've ever seen, and and for the for for the students' benefit. So, well, that and that's awesome. You found something that you're real passionate about, 
and was you, you found that early in college and were able to be successful. You know, there's so many students that just get, you know, degrees in writing papers or what, you know, what have you, something that there's not a huge job market for. And that's really, that's cool that, that you found something you, you're passionate about and, um, you know, takes care of your family. So, well, and you know, I yeah. would say, I'll say this and correct me if I'm wrong, Ethan, because I would, Alex has the same opinion. I would imagine because I've had this conversation with other siblings but there's something about the College of Ag that is like a small family, right? And you get outside of the College of Ag, and I had roommates and friends that were in engineering and kind of on your own, you know, like like you have friends and such, but it's it's not the the small family like that um, that we were used to, you, like in our program and in the College of Agriculture at K State or A and M or anywhere. And oh yeah, that definitely was that draw. It's a know. huge draw for people. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, at A and M, there's a, there's a railroad that runs uh, on the west edge of campus. What used to be the west edge of campus is why it's called College Station, because that's what they named the station when they built this school <laughs> in the middle of the Texas Plains. And um, anyway, so as the college grew, the ag department got kicked off to the west side of campus. So we're kind of, we're even segregated sort of. There's, you know, we have the business school there now, but that's where, you know, on the west side of the tracks were where all the agronomy fields were, where all the cattle pens were. Well, as they needed more buildings on main campus, we built new ones, you know, like the King Ranch built the, uh, the, the animal science building, you know, and they built it next to all their stuff. So just due to growth, the ag department is even on its own little, nook of of campus and it's a whole nother world you know we we like to call ourselves the real aggies you know <laughs> we gave them their name but some people don't careful like now you know but um, <laughs> you know um but yeah it's it's true it's truly like that you know and it seems like milling is even like a family within a family you know you are so so tight-knit through your entire career that's really cool yeah, I would completely agree with that. I mean, speaking to what you guys were talking about with the College of Ag, I would say that more than any other industry I've ever come across, that extends into the professional careers because you could, I mean, if you really have your finger on the pulse of the industry, you could probably tell where people have been moved to if they've transferred from one company to the other. Um, there's only a handful of large com companies in the milling world. And it, it's kind of a little game to try to figure out who's moved where. I and mean, we have a, annual conferences, and uh, they do a very good job with the uh, International Association of uh, Operative Millers, uh, which is our association. Um, and they get everybody together once a year. And, and if you're willing to be involved in that, I mean, you can really figure out where the kids that you were in school with went and, uh, or, cool. or the people that you used to work with. You can really tell where they, what happened to them. Um, even though they're on the other side of the country. Um, and to speak on, you, you spoke a little bit about the college and how you were kind of offset. Um, Kevin kind of knows that, you know, the North farm at Kansas state was kind of a little bit like that. Um, and on that North farm, they actually built a milling facility. So there's a test milling facility at Kansas oh, wow. state. Yeah. It's just to the North of uh, Bill Snyder family stadium. Um, and a big concrete building and right next to that is a, is a, is a feed mill because of, of uh, the popularity of the, the feed milling uh, program there as well. So that's, that's cool. there, 
Yeah, I mean, there's it's it's kind of funny. Like it's it's an extension of your your college life to to an extent, and it's for for the better. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, and I guess that's part of the reason why the College of Ag, at least in agronomy at A and M, was all of us worked for the department. We all worked for a professor, you know, taking care of field trials or, you know, doing lab stuff or or something, and so we were always there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that was, you know, similar, but you have all these hands-on facilities, whether it's a research farm or it's a, a feed mill or a flyer mill, and um, those provide jobs for students as well as you learn the whole time you're there. And I don't that, that kind of knits together that group a little bit more too. For sure. All right, Alex, thank you for your time and your, your rundown on the, uh, on the milling process. I appreciate your time. And, um, in respect to that, we'll wrap up here and maybe we'll have you on again and talk a little bit more about, uh, the specific of the products you make and how you, um, different wheat and whatnot affects the end user there. So, yeah, I think, yeah, Alex, thank you very much. And I think we've got, (laughs) we could do quite a bit with, 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 with the type of material we have here. So, 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 uh, with that, I think we'll close, uh, Kevin, do you want to add where people can find us? Sure. Yeah, they can, you can find us at, uh, at crop quest. Um, I think we're on, on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and as always questions, comments, reviews, um, at media at so thank you, everybody. Thanks. Our business is knowing the business of growing. We take pride in your success, being better than the rest. Crop West.